Hi guys, this is Cliff Knight from Equippers International. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We want to lift up Jesus and provide a place where you can be taught the truth and encouraged in your relationship with Him. If you find this podcast helpful, feel free to share it with others. We believe it will be a source of blessing and encouragement and that you'll be strengthened in your relationship with Jesus. Hello, welcome back to the Equippers International podcast. We're in a study of the book of Romans together. We're just getting started in the study. We're a few episodes into it. We've covered the first 15 verses of chapter 1. So far, those verses basically contain Paul's formal introduction of himself, his greeting to the church in Rome, which was his customary process in New Testament first century letter writing. Then he shares some comments about his own personal desire when he ultimately reaches Rome and gets to be with the saints there in the church. And verses 16 and 17 kind of mark the launching pad of the actual book. They are significant verses. They are verses that many interpreters have said over the years to be the theme verses of the book. They are compact. They contain a lot of very significant concepts, and they really are a full snapshot of the whole rest of the book. Now, some people are, I guess, quite happy to approach Romans as like this theological treatise, as though Paul sat down and he was going to methodically write out a presentation of the gospel so that it could be maybe used as some type of teaching tool or, you know, um, used throughout the ages to be the Magna Carta of our understanding of the gospel. Well, there might be a little bit of truth to that. I think that the book of Romans just kind of flooded out of Paul and his understanding, and he just took the opportunity to write to a church where he was making preparations, hopefully, to come one day, and he was wanting to give them an idea of what he knew to be the truth about the gospel. But remember, he's also writing to a church in real time with real issues, and one of those issues, as we discussed in the very preliminary episodes, was there was probably some issues and tensions between the Jews and the Gentiles in the church in Rome. We talked about the historical setting, how the Jews had been expelled from Rome several years before, and then they were allowed to come back to Rome. So the church had actually been probably birthed as a Jewish slash Gentile church, but then with the expulsion of the Jews from Rome, it became an exclusively Gentile church because there were no Jews in Rome. And then with the coming back and the return of the Jews to Rome, they would have integrated back into the church in Rome. And then you have a Jewish and Greek church. Paul's aware of this and he's aware of possible issues that are already taking place. We know from biblical source within the New Testament that Priscilla and Aquila are back in Rome. They're probably Paul's primary source of information to understand what's happening in the Roman church. And so it's in this context that Paul writes the letter. It is just like his other letters. It's an occasional letter. 
It's a letter that Paul writes with a pastoral heart. Now, it's going to contain a lot of deep, what we would call theological truth. He's going to lay out things in a very methodical way. One reason he's doing that is because, again, he's addressing the Jews on one side, and he's helping them understand the context of the gospel because the gospel is the content of Paul's message. It is his life message. It is, remember, he's called for the purpose of the gospel. He's not focused on any other issues. He's he's a man with great vision and great oneness of mind when it comes to his message. He believes that the gospel is the most important thing to be proclaimed. And that's what he's doing through the book of Romans. But he's tying it into his understanding of the Old Testament and of the Jewish historical process because he's saying that God didn't come outside of his historical context of what he'd already promised and done through the children of Israel and come up with another plan unconnected. That's why there's so many references to Old Testament scripture in the book of Romans. And Paul is going to show his mastery of the Old Testament in this book. And we're going to have to pick our way through and interpret all these things that Paul shares. So it's in that context that Paul launches out in verses 16 and 17 to begin to give a framework for his understanding of the gospel and what he's going to write about in this entire book. So let's look at those two verses in this episode. Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, But the righteous shall live by faith. So what's Paul doing in these verses? Well, he's doing a few things. First, he says on a very practical level, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In other words, I'll speak the gospel and I'll share the gospel and I'll tell people the good news. Remember, it is a story. It's a story of God's salvific work for mankind. It's not just a story for the fulfillment of everything that God promised the children of Israel. It's a story of God's promise for salvation for the whole world because God did something in the work of Jesus Christ at the cross that Paul saw as the answer for all people. And that's the good news. And that's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that because this is the one story that we should tell with full conviction because Paul says this about the gospel. He says, the gospel is the power of God. So what he's saying is that when we talk and we tell the story of God's redemptive plan in Jesus Christ, that story actually contains power. It's the story that has the power because the story is based on the truth and the truth has power. It's just such a beautiful truth that we really need to get a hold of because we need to understand that in the story containing the truth of what Jesus Christ accomplished at the cross is the power of God for salvation. So there is no other way to release the power of God in a person's life that will bring them to a saving knowledge of 
God. It has to come through the proclamation of the gospel. It comes through the telling of the powerful story of what God did through Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians I want to just tie into this in this episode. Now, it's going to take us a couple episodes to get through these two verses. So just bear with me because I want to make some connections here. Remember, we talked already in a previous episode that for Paul, the gospel is not like this once off event where you just share the gospel and then somebody gets saved and then you move on to discipleship and other things. No, Paul sees the preaching of the gospel as an ongoing process, even in the life of a believer, once a person comes to faith. And there's another way that Paul refers to this, and I want to tie this together in this episode because I think it's significant. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says this, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. There's the power of God again. Now, he just said in verse 16 that the gospel, the message of the good news of God, is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. And then in 1 Corinthians 1.18, he says, the word of the cross is the power of God for those of us who are being saved. So what's he saying? He's linking this idea of the initial proclamation of the gospel. When someone hears the good news of God, the good news of God has in it, in seminal form, it's got a seed that carries the power of God to bring about change in that person's life when they hear it. That's the miracle of conversion. It is a supernatural, spiritual event that happens when someone hears the good news. But then Paul says that there is the word of the cross. I believe this opens up something to us about Paul's understanding of the gospel. It's not just the initial proclamation of what Jesus did, but it's a continual logos of the cross. It's the word. It's the message. It's everything that is communicated through the cross concerning God's heart for mankind. And that message contains also in it power for those of us who believe. So it's this gospel message that has the power of God to bring us into belief. And it's this word of the cross, the continued preaching of the gospel, unpacking all the dynamics of what happened at the cross and what Jesus accomplished as the sacrificial lamb of God. as the redeemer of all mankind, as the creator of a new human race. All these truths are going to come to bear in the book of Romans and Paul's understanding of the gospel. And it takes a lifetime to unpack this. And that's what I believe Paul's referring to when he says the word of the cross, the logos, the message that is proclaimed through the work of the cross. It provides power for those of us who are being saved. It is the point in which we receive the power of God to live out these powerful truths that are accomplished through the work of the cross. So Paul says because of that reason, because he knows that this power is wrapped up in this message, he's not ashamed to proclaim it. That should propel us as believers with confidence to be able to share the gospel with other people. We're not just sharing some religious story. We're not just 
talking to people about something that happened in the past, we're sharing something with them that has the power within it to change their lives. It brings them to a decision point. If they will choose to believe it, then the power of God will be released in their life for salvation. Now, this word salvation is a very important word. It literally means deliverance. It's used throughout the New Testament. It comes from the word soter in the Greek, and it literally means to be saved. Now, we talk a lot about being born again and believing in Jesus Christ, inviting him into our lives, and all those are very legitimate images of what happens, and they contain truth about what happens in the life of a person who believes. But Paul's primary understanding of the purpose of the gospel is that it saves. This is going to be very important for us to unpack as we move through the book. Because for Paul, the gospel is the power of God for salvation, for deliverance. Not just deliverance on a practical level. You know, there's talk in the charismatic Pentecostal church about deliverance. And oftentimes that's linked to either the activity of demons in the life of a person or just being delivered from strongholds. And there's a lot of deliverance terminology in the church today. And there always has been. And I'm not against that. But again, I want to draw us to the scripture. I want to draw us to the primary understanding of deliverance. Deliverance for Paul has to do with a release and a setting free from bondage in the life of a person that keeps them from having a right relationship with God. Now, we're going to look at this in more detail for sure, but I just want to introduce the idea and the truth to you so you can begin to think about Paul's understanding of the gospel. The good news of God is that mankind has been delivered. He's been delivered from himself. He's been delivered primarily, and we're going to talk a lot about this as we interpret this letter. He's been delivered primarily from idolatry, from a skewed perspective of himself and of God, because the primary thing that happened in the fall of man, where Satan came to deceive Adam and Eve, was that he lured them into idolatry. He lured them into worshiping something other than their creator. Primarily, it became themselves, and subsequently, they worshiped other gods. And that was Israel's continued problem over and over and over. So this idea of salvation is very important for Paul when it comes to the gospel. It's not just the forgiveness of sins. Ironically, in the book of Romans, Paul talks very little about the forgiveness of sin, but he talks a lot about salvation. He talks a lot about the righteousness of God that is revealed through what God has accomplished at the cross. So these are going to be very important truths for us to build our understanding of the gospel around. And Paul says that it's the power of God for salvation to all who believe. So all it takes is for someone to believe the truths contained in the good news of God, and that releases the power of God in their lives for them to be delivered. And then he makes this statement at the end of verse 16, and we'll wrap up our episode here. He says, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Now, it's important for us to understand that Paul saw the world on the natural level in a context of two types of people, a Jew and everybody else. Paul refers to them as Gentiles or the Greeks. 
Basically, he's saying that because the children of Israel were chosen of God as the vehicle through which God would give the promises and he would send the prophets and he would have this natural historical timeline story taking place through which he would accomplish his universal plan for all mankind, Paul sees a distinction. And because the promises were first given to the Jews, then it's like God gave them the first right of refusal. Meaning that Paul believes that when Jesus Christ came, he first came to the Jews. And we know that is very clear throughout the scripture, throughout the gospels. Jesus himself said, I was sent for the lost sheep of Israel. He was their Messiah. He was the one that was sent for their salvation, that they would be delivered from their own idolatry and the sins, the generational things that they struggled to break out of over and over and over. And Jesus came as their liberator, but he came to liberate them in the spiritual realm. He didn't come to liberate them as a nation. And this is where the confusion comes in and many people's futuristic understanding of the nation of Israel. And I'm not going to go into my specific eschatological views on that, but suffice it to say that the Jews missed the essence of who Jesus Christ was for them as their Messiah. And he told them in no uncertain terms that if they would not listen to what he was saying on a different level. This is what repentance is all about. They had to change their minds in the way that they saw the coming of their Messiah, but they didn't. And for that reason, many of them missed the promise of God in Jesus Christ. So Paul says that that message came first to the Jew, and that happened in the first century. At Pentecost, all the people that were born again at Pentecost and subsequently over those weeks and months after were all Jews in Jerusalem. It was It wasn't until the persecution that broke out against the church that the Jews dispersed into the country surrounding Jerusalem and into Asia Minor, and that's what we call the diaspora, and that's where the good news went out to the Gentiles. Now, we know that Peter was the first one to take the good news to the Gentiles in the household of Cornelius in the book of Acts. That was just a sampling of what God was going to do universally through the proclamation of the the gospel. So it came to the Jew first, and then it went to the rest of the world. It was always God's heart for the gospel to reach all the nations. That was God's promise to Abraham from the very beginning. Before the Jewish nation was ever birthed, God promised Abraham that he would be a father of many nations and that he would be a blessing to the nations. And so that's exactly what happened through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that is the good news of God. So let's stop there in this episode and just continue to consider these beautiful truths that Paul is going to expound for us in this book. So be strong and courageous and love Jesus more. 